0: This morning we're going to practice with this uh, this mental factor of intention. Well, it's a mental factor, which means we can know it through our consciousness. We can observe it. We could just watch it. Um, but we can also feel it as a impulse or an urge or an energetic uh, kind of um, quality that precedes our actions so we can feel it. We can both be an observer of it and a participant in the felt sense of knowing this intention to act. It comes before all actions. It comes before thought. It comes before speech, but it's very subtle and so hard to see. Um, But when there's stillness and quiet in the space around us, both externally and internally, you may not think you're quiet, but there's a degree of quietness that's within each of us that is uh, more quiet than we usually are. And so there's a way that we can begin to see this intention.
1: Um, It's important to begin to see
0: intention because if we have a wholesome intention then our actions and our speech, our thoughts, um, are also wholesome. It's the energy that kind of moves action, behavior, conduct,
1: thought, everything. It leads to happiness. just beginning
0: to pay attention to the intention, you can see this cultivation of happiness. And likewise, if the intention or the motivation to do something is in an unwholesome, unskillful nature, then it will produce an act, a speech, conduct, or thought that's unwholesome unskillful,
1: not onward leading, and it can lead to suffering. So because it's subtle, it's difficult to
0: um, control. We don't even notice oftentimes what's motivating our conduct. Our thoughts. We don't. Even, we hear the thoughts, but we don't know what is coming before it. And so, coming on a long retreat like this, we can begin to intentionally practice with becoming conscious of this, becoming uh, aware, observing it, knowing it. It takes a while. We get used to it. It's like, oh, I see that, and then it becomes a a quality that we can rest in as firmly as we rest on the ground that we walk on. And we can rest in our wholesome intentions and move through life that way, strictly by our intentions and paying attention to that subtle felt sense energy of about to do something or the urge or the impulses. So we're just going to practice a little here to see if we can begin to see it. And you may or may not be able to see the intentions or the impulses. But there's no need to strive or No need to get um, caught up in an eddy about how come you can't see it, whether you should see it, or any of that. Because, as I said, it's a mental factor. It precedes action. It precedes thought. It's there all the time. So we just practice in this gradual arriving, being available, aligning with this Dhamma, and that eventually it will reveal itself to you. You don't have to go looking for it. It will reveal itself. And so that's what I want to cultivate, is the capacity to begin to see intention, and then you may or may not see it,
1: notice it or feel it. Feeling this arriving here. You can notice whether the tone of the
0: moment has changed in practice when we're
1: turning inward. You can take note. Of the immediacy that
0: arises in the present moment, we're both aware of it. And we can feel it,
1: but we can trust it because we know we feel this sense of arriving right in here. Arriving now. When we we feel into
0: this present moment, this reality
1: of the present moment, we're here. You can see that there's nowhere to go. There's no need to reach out
0: and grab anything. But when we're available, practice comes to us. We're just sitting here,
1: just lying here, feeling into the present moment. Resting here, settled,
0: and trusting that practice comes to us.
1: What is to be practiced with will reveal itself. So we're just available for whatever arises, no agenda
0: don't have to lean into or grasp after. We can relax and just be here and now, and keep returning to this felt sense of arriving in the present moment,
1: here and now. All kinds of thoughts and energies and
0: reactivities could arise. We've already seen them. And so there's a a need or a desire to protect this practice, the sacredness of it. We align ourselves with the Dhamma this intention to practice, this intention
1: to stay present, stay ardent, this clear seeing, this intention to be with whatever arises, this alignment being available, being present here. This is the preparatory ground in which we can practice it. When you feel you're ready,
0: you can turn your attention to your primary object.
1: Stabilize the mind. You can stabilize the body. Feeling
0: into the lower half of the body or the back body.
1: Feeling the weight of the body. Letting the muscles
0: from underside of the arms, underside of the
1: legs, let them relax and release. Settle into the earth. Feel into the hardness of the bones
0: in the body. And you can find a felt sense
1: of grounded stability. Have a sense of ground and solidness. Something to rest upon, steady. And if your object of your anchor or your primary object is sound, you can just
0: rest grounded here and now. This felt sense of the body
1: and this conscious knowing where you are. This practice. If your primary anchor is sound, you're just hearing sounds. Enjoying the ebb and flow of silence. Whatever that is. Because it kind of includes all these little tiny sounds,
0: big sounds, quick sounds,
1: long sounds, smooth and soft sounds and coarse sounds. they all just part of sound, hearing. Ears are not worried about it. So you can settle the mind by feeling into this
0: present moment, being available
1: for sound, such as it is. And if your primary anchor is the breath, feeling it in the belly of the chest, the whole body, the nose, the upper lip. You just feel the movement, the energy, the aliveness of breathing. And again, we cannot control it.
0: It comes on its own. It's the body that's breathing.
1: We can be aware of it. We can feel it. But it's the body that breathes its own rhythm. Takes in as much air as it needs, and it let go. let go of what it doesn't need any longer. We could rest here just feeling this body moving, breath moving. As you put your attention on your object, you might feel the energy to stay with your object. You can feel that aspiration to stay here. Then arises this felt sense to turn away or to move the body. To see if you can notice this urge to move, to shift, this impulse. Turn away from the object to something else. You can feel it as a about to
0: sometimes. You can feel it as an urge. Or you may notice your mind has just moved somewhere.
1: Moved to something else. See if you can return to the primary object again. Steady. Connected to the object. And notice if you move away, is there an urge to move? Sitting here, the body might feel also this need to move the legs or the arms. And you can notice the energy before you actually move Oh, it's subtle and I can't
0: take some of the subtleness out if I keep describing
1: it. So let me give you one more way you can see and then we'll practice in silence together. You can notice that you're thinking about something. And then there's this impulse or this urge to stop, to let it go.
0: And again, you may just notice that you've let the thoughts go. But gradually you'll begin to see that if you pay attention... There was an impulse, there was an urge or a motivation
1: to let go and begin again. You can notice this urge with our thoughts.
0: You can notice it with our actions, the
1: physical movement of body. And we can notice it with this moving away from our primary object and returning back. So we'll practice the rest of the time in silence. Uh, One of the ways I think is really, really
0: great for a practice when we're practicing with this intention is to begin to notice the motivation to continue with practice. So I really noticed this in walking. But in walking, you can begin to feel and sense that initial about to take a step or the urge or the impulse to take a step. You can begin to see that. But unless you stop, you don't really feel the impulse to take another step. Or you could be like me. I kept stopping to wait for the impulse to take a step and stopping and waiting for the impulse. (laughs) And it can get a little crazy because you don't know if the impulse, or is this me thinking, or what's happening? So you have to have some joy with it, some humor around it, trying to feel into this subtle aspect of intention, but what I then begin to notice, if you just practice with it and keep it open and available, no judgment around how it should be or what I should be seeing, just let the whole thing be open, I begin to see that there was this rounded motivation to continue with the walking. That the intention may have started with this sense of the impulse to take a step but that the intention itself is what kept me it just kept refreshing itself and I kept walking and then I would come to this end and there would be this impulse to stop you wait then there's this impulse to turn around impulse to begin again and then you can notice that it just continues itself all the way to the end. And so you're noticing that it's you know this is I think of this as awakening territory because we're learning to see that wholesome intention is sufficient to carry us as far as we need to go. That it doesn't have to be, I have to fix myself or fix something that actually I can just begin to align my inten- intention and the conduct, speech, thought, whatever begins to move with that. It moves with our intentions. And so learning to feel into it and actually observing our Motivations keeps us grounded, steady. We feel much more steady in our own self. So that's that's what we're going to practice with a little bit here. I have some questions I want to answer. One question says... uh, They're asking about the five aggregates and why is consciousness considered or compared to a magic show? Uh, Is the term not used here as awareness? Which I thought is a good thing. (laughs) So I think it's compared to uh, a magic show as if you... There's a, there's a way in which we can take ownership of what we're conscious of. Because we're conscious of something, that means I know it. It's, you know, it's, it's me. I'm the one that knows. And in that, we can mistakenly think that what we think we know is the truth of the arising moment, but it's like a magic show in that you think the trick. You don't see the trick. You see the magic, and so you think the magic is what's actually happening, but in reality, it's a sleight of hand. It's a trick, and it's not—it's um, not real what you see. And so, this uh, consciousness that they're talking about, we can get lost in our—the uh, our knowing of something as if I'm the one. Who does it? So the best way to to see this is the magic show of that deep, blissful samadhi sit. You have it. You think you got it. You think you did that. You made that. You know that you're peaceful. You know the sit is very still and very relaxed and, and because of that knowing, you think you've done it. So Come the next sit, you think you can just make it happen again, and it's not like that. So there's there's a sleight of hand with that when you begin to see that just because you know something, it doesn't mean you are the one that created it, or you're in charge, or you own it somehow. That's why I think he compared it to a magic show. Someone asked, uh, can you elaborate more about direct experience uh, or when it is not, and is tapping into it momentary? Uh, And is tapping into it momentary, I see. Um, So the way I think of this is, when I think of direct experience, I think of the felt sense of the moment. So this kind of felt sense, you feel the moment, you feel the immediacy of now, and you are knowing that you are experiencing the present moment. So there's a, a quality of both knowing and a quality of this felt sense of the immediacy of now. You can contrast that to... um, um, When it's not that way, it's more evaluative of the moment. It's what I think... This is what I would consider Philip's uh, judging, comparing, and fixing kind of vows we take. Is like you're beginning to see how you're not actually in the moment, in a direct way, you're more evaluating, analyzing, judging, comparing, kind of in that fixing mode, and it's all based in thought, and there's no actual connection to the moment itself. So the direct experience, you're feeling into it and knowing it at the same time, whereas the when it's not in that direct experience, you are kind of analyzing, uh, judging, comparing. It's usually wrapped up in the past, some kind of future thinking or some evaluation. So the, to me, I had to learn to accept that there's no difference between the two. It's not like one is good and one is bad. But not knowing you are not in the direct experience can lead to unskillful actions, unskillful intentions, unskillful motivations that you may not be aware of. So coming into the direct experience is just a way to help you begin to be more intentional about how you are going to relate to this moment. It probably supports us in being able to choose Towards um, being uh, skillful or following our intentions or right intentions and leaning into that more. Um, someone said, "Can you please, can you please make the distinction between fixing and intervention? Can trying to gently intervene become fixing?" Yes, <laughs> yes, very nice. <laughs> there's a way in which are this motivation, I like the way the Tibetans say it's this urge to correct. I have that so bad. Um, and so there's always this kind of, let me just tweak it a little, just that's a little. And 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 it's, you know, it's it's just the nature of my temperament. So I'm like, yes, I like that. But let's put it just right here. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I can't think of it, but there's a sin koan about, you know, somebody trying to put a sign up at a monastery. So there's just like, just this little hair. And... Practicing with intention, you can begin to see that. You can see that urge to correct something. But what we don't see is the judgment that the thing that we're trying to correct is, we've judged it as wrong. We're not really in the experience of it. A judgment says, that is wrong. So now you have this motivation to fix it. Rather than ever being open, available to the moment itself. And so we're following these impulsive judgments and comparisons and trying to fix the world, but we don't see that we're not actually in the direct experience of this moment. We are in our judgments, moving about, trying to make the world the way we think it ought to be. So... I would say this this feeling into this need to intervene uh, maybe be the place where you could begin to see this unskillful motivation, this urge or impulse. It may or may not be unskillful. I don't want to say it's unskillful. It may be skillful, but feeling into that urge to intervene, you can begin to see whether or not your actions lean into or move towards fixing and trying to control and take ownership. But just that question is getting into the realm of beginning to see that there isn't an intention before action. Uh, One last one here. Uh, Any additional advice on working? Oh, yes, this is the what I wanted to really get to. (laughs) I'm glad I got to it in time. Any additional advice on working with frequent coughing near me? It seems I have to switch my focus from stillness to compassion for them or for my loss of stillness. Um, But like the, I guess, the monk in the hut, too near the, um, yeah, I'm getting lost here. (laughs) I opened a bit. I can't get it. So I'm just going to stick with the coughing part. It's such a strange phenomenon. You might notice your intention to put a mask on before you come in. Even though you don't have to put a mask on, there can be this intention. You don't even have a mask with you, but there's this intention to put it on, this impulse, this urge, because we are now trained to wear masks. I can remember when someone suggested I wear a mask on the airplane when the pandemic first started. And and it was my son. He was insisting I wear this mask. And I thought, you are stupid. I'm not going to be walking around with a mask on. So I was like, yeah, I'll wear it. Thanks for letting me know. I was not wearing no mask. (laughs) But now, (laughs) I have a hard time going into a store without putting a mask on. So there's this way in which our minds become habituated towards something. And coughing is one of those areas where we have become habituated towards something is wrong, something is dangerous, that is not right. And our minds can then influence us in this kind of, uh, the way this uh, yogi is saying, it took my focus away from stillness. It does not have to take your focus away from stillness. Coughing is sound. That's what it is. And the thing that makes it so special is because the body needs to cough to release energy. So we are in a meditation hall where energy is being built up and coughing is one of the ways that the body pushes out excess energy. So we are creating this container where we don't we're we're becoming sensitized to the coughing in an unhealthy way. There is a healthy way that we have to be around coughing because of COVID and some of the other respiratory difficulties that are out there. But we are all in a container where if you're having Blue like cold like symptoms, then you are not going to come into the container itself. But coffee, that coffee may have nothing to do. It has nothing to do with whether or not someone has COVID or the mind's pressure around. I'm going to catch something. It is coughing as sound, and if you learn to let it be sound, you can see the urge of your mind to judge and correct that person. Oh, they shouldn't be in the hall, or oh, that's too much coughing, and you've left your practice, and your whole energy has moved and shifted. But if you practice with the intention, you can begin to notice that coughing itself is a sound that pops up in the air and then it dissipates. And there's none. Pop up. And then it dissipates. And maybe none, 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 For like 20 minutes. And then, doop, there's a sound. Maybe cough, cough, cough. But it's not this kind of overwhelming taking control of us unless we see that sound or imagine, judge that sound as being wrong and then there's going to be this urge to fix it, correct it, somebody's got to do something about it. And we lose our practice spinning completely in that impulse. So I'm trusting that everyone in this hall knows that if you're feeling sick, you would not come into the hall. And for me, that means if you have to cough, you are letting go of energy. And that's fine. I'm with sound. I may have to let go of some energy, too. It's just sound. And we, it doesn't have to affect our stillness at all, no more than the rain does, no more than somebody getting up and walking out of the hall and the door opens. I'm like, thank you for waking me up because I was about to go to sleep here. So it's that way in which all of it is our practice everything is to help us learn how to steady ourselves here with me this body this felt sense
1: alright okay Dana
2: Okay, how's the sound? I want to invite us to just pause and take in the rain. It's become a little more steady, a little wetter. So, a few announcements. Today is Thursday. And in our dynamic schedule, this means it is a Brahma Vihara day today. And it's an LGBTQIA affinity sit. The retreat managers uh, asked us to share that there are strong storms coming through Saturday. And there's even a... Flash flood warning. So we are being requested to stay way back from the creeks. So enjoy the creeks from a distance, please. They also ask that we let you know that we at Spirit Rock have an amazing generator system. So should we need it? Uh, it will automatically turn on if we lose power during the storm. So we are coming up to the midpoint of the month long. We are tucked in. And we are practicing both in... Uh, this space that allows us to become intimate with our inner experience and practicing in community. So something that can happen as we're softening in, or exploring, as Twery was pointing to, this kind of subtle pointings, is that... Um, As we move about the campus, uh, I want to invite a kind of giving each other the gift of being in our inner space. It's a little different than the way we might signal friendliness in our usual walkings around where we might make eye contact, we might uh, wait longer and hold the door open and make contact in a way so it's it's fine to hold the door open when someone's right behind you but a little more of uh, invitation to support letting that go being in your own experience not making eye contact because we can be unintentionally uh, impinging upon someone's inner flow so we are practicing together supporting one another through this expression of noble silence of of letting each other have our dropped in experience whatever that might be also in terms of moving about and moving through doors a request that we Uh, As a community, take care of our smallest community member, our four-legged friend, could use a little more space, so like six feet, so Junior can navigate spaces uh, in a relaxed way. So thank you for wearing a mask in the hall if you are having some cold symptoms. Um, And you are more than welcome, just to reiterate, that masks are encouraged if you, or we ask you to wear something if you've got a virus going on. It's also fine for you to choose to wear a mask for any reason. And as you know, they're optional at this point. If you're feeling healthy, Some things about practice meetings today. There have been a few changes in time in the order, so we ask that you check again if you have a practice meeting today. Francisco will be with uh, Twery today, sitting in, in Twery's practice meetings. And um, as always, uh, you're invited to uh, say yes or no thank you for his sitting in. We appreciate it if that feels okay to you. It's part of his training. But we totally respect what feels right for you. And Francisco is offering some sign-ups today as well. Have a beautiful day
1: of practice.